Once again, happy Sabbath on a wonderful November afternoon. It's nice and sunny outside somewhere. Uh, someone is now laying on the beach, feeling the warmth of the, the sun somewhere. <laughs> but we thank God even for the day. He allowed us to get here together to open up his word. We thank him for a place to even to gather. We thank him for the the technology that it takes to do what we do. And we ask that you all continue to pray for that, that it would grow stronger, that it would go wider, that the seeds would be scattered in a, in a, in a larger field. And be praying to that end because this is indeed the command of God. He says, go and teach all nations. And since we don't have the budget to go fly all nations, there's another way of doing it. So we ask that you all would pray that we would continue to do so. We want to look at something again this morning. It's, it's, it's somewhat of a continuation from last week, but this is what God gave us. So we're going to give it to you. So we will go to, to the book of John, chapter 6 this morning. The book of John, chapter 6. We are, we're finding some things out that he's emphasizing that our critical need to understand the Word of God. Because there's so many uh, uh, false prophets out here. There's so many false systems of worship out here that if we are not familiar with God and his word and the familiarity with God comes from his word, then we're going to be deceived and we're going to be lost and we'll be no good to try to help someone else get to the kingdom. But we're going to start in the book of John, chapter 6 and verse 63. Are we there? 663 of John. It says, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are what? Spirit. Spirit and they are life. Now, he didn't say that the word wasn't important. He said the words that I speak unto you are spirit. They're life-giving. They're, they're inspiration. The words that I give you are spirit and they are life. So when, if we're looking for life, where should we be looking to? In his word, because in that word is his spirit. And if we don't have his word, we don't have his spirit. Therefore, we don't have what? Life. And if we're looking to live, not just on this earth, but also life eternal, we need to be focusing on the spirit uh, 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 that, that's, that's involved and the word that, 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 that teaches us what the spirit is all about. So if we know that, where do we find the word of God? So we'll find the instruction from the Word, right? And the instruction coupled with the Spirit that makes the instruction possible to follow will be okay. And we're going to need to be okay here very shortly. And we're going to need to be practicing this right now because it's not time to get in shape during the game because you're going to be a miserable failure. You're going to pass out and you'll be no good to the team. We need to get in shape right now. Amen? And, it's, and, and, and it gives life. And you know, even in his word, it tells us about the physical life that we have here on this earth, doesn't it? And I, I want to share this with you. This is something he just put on us, that we need to be about getting physical temples in condition. Because we can't do what God asks us to do when we're in poor health. Health is extremely important. Your physical is almost as important as your spiritual health. You can't 
do what God would have you to do if you are not in good health. Because if we're, we're always tired, you know what we can't do? We can't do or be diligent about performing the task that God has given us to perform. Why? Because we're out of, I just, I just tired. I can't do it. I can't. We, we got to get, get to a point where we're all in, in, in health. He said, I wish above all things that what? Thou mayest prosper and be in health. Get these physical temples in order. I, I, I sympathize with everyone in here. I know you can't afford to go to the doctor. Amen. I know it. We have lived all our adult life with, as they say, NAN insurance. And that's a difficult thing to be our age because you, every time you go, you're dropping $600. You're dropping $700. If you go, they let you in now. But there are things that God has given us to, to put into place into our lives that we might be about doing it. I bet this, drink you some water. How much does that cost? Now you can buy water, I understand. But it's got to be cheaper than a pill. Start with that. Get you some rest. Walk a little bit. Get, some, get the activity going in your life. If you spend all day at a desk, man, take some steps somewhere. Get some sunshine on your face. And you might get some sunshine in your soul. Amen? So let's, let's, let's understand that. He's interested in our life. And he said, my words are spirit and they are life. So let's go to 1 Corinthians, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Because if there's a spirit, there's a spirit in his word, do you think there's a spirit in the other words? There's a spirit in some other words, isn't it? When, you, when we're listening to the, the other side, you know, we listen to God's word and we read God's word and there's a spirit in that word and it uplifts us and it moves us. But guess what? The counterfeiter has some spirit in his word too. So we might want to start making that alteration in our lives. Instead of, you know, what the spirit of the world's words is telling us and we're taking in, let's kind of focus on the spirit of God's words. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let's start at verse 12. He says, now the brother was speaking to the, the people at Corinth, saying that there's another way we're living now. He said, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but what? The spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Everything of God is not a mystery. He has freely given us his word, coupled with his spirit so we can understand his word. He said, look, this is the spirit I need you to have, and I need you to start reading and focusing and participating in the application of my word in your life. They're freely given to us of God. You're not going to be able to know what they are unless you have the Spirit of God. He said, I want you to know the things that I put in this book. I want you to know the things that I want you to have so you'll be successful in this life and to prepare yourself for the life to come. Verse 13, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing what? Spiritual things with spiritual. Why? Because the word is spiritual. He said, my word is what? Spirit and life. So when I speak the word, it's comparing spiritual things with what? Spiritual things. 
What happens if you don't know that? You're going to be trying to look at God's word, which is spiritual, with a carnal mind. And you're not going to understand it. Then you're going to have to go get a Revised Standard International, uh, you know, the way Bible. Because I can't understand it. Stop using carnality to try to understand spiritual. Get some new glasses. Amen? Amen. Verse 14. See, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are what? Foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So God's word is spiritually discerned. I'm sorry, the natural man can't understand it. That's why when you're talking to a man who believes in the natural, he can't understand what you're saying. Don't be mad at him. He just can't because these are spiritually discerned. These are only discerned that the, the knowledge you have about God's word came from the spirit of God. And believe me, if God didn't give you his spirit, you wouldn't understand his word either. They're spiritually discerned. So the word that God wants us to understand must be coupled by the, the great healer, the great teacher, I'm sorry, called the Holy Spirit. If you can't understand it, ask for more of his spirit. Instead of getting frustrated. I don't understand what God's saying. You right. You shouldn't. You can't. Only God can. So when he sends his spirit, it's not you anymore. You start to say, oh, Lord, thank you. Now your spirit is flowing in me. I'm starting to understand what you're saying. That should be everybody's testimony in here. I know before you, we all came together in this place uh, uh, that we had read that Bible over and over again and couldn't understand a word of it. Didn't know what it was talking about. Thought we knew some things, amen? But as the Spirit was revealed and filled our souls, we understood more and more about his word. And so we asked God to give us that spirit so we can understand his word. And that word will tell us to what? Search the scriptures. Go to 2 Timothy. Because we're living in a time where these false prophets are real. These false prophets are strong. These false prophets are everywhere. And we have to be able to discern the good from the evil. And the only way to do that is to know his word through his spirit. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And let's start at 13. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And let's go to verse 13. And the Lord says, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Look at who's out here now. Evil men. And he said, he called them seducers. What does a seducer do? And you're going to say seduce. I know, I know. It tries to get, pull you in to doing something that probably you shouldn't be doing. Is that true? Okay. If you know about it or not, it doesn't matter if you, you, you're being seduced. Anybody ever been seduced before? It's a lot of different avenues that seduction is played out. And we get seduced. The, the, the advertising industry is in charge of seducing. Why would you get up at 10.30 at night and drive to a fast food restaurant to eat? Because you've been seduced. The fourth meal. They make that nasty food look so good. And you, we go time and time again 
thinking that it might taste okay this time. I'm hungry. You be sitting there, well, I don't know why I'm hungry. I just ate. Well, the seduction started taking place. Why, why, why do we do the things that we do? Why do we spend money we don't have? We've been seduced. We had a nice little opening here in, uh, in uh, uh, a big outlet mall you know, out, out in the Mississippi close to us, and you couldn't park. We are in a poverty zone. Everybody around here is broke in this area. You know, we're, we're known for being broke. And, and, but you had to park across the street at a convention center and let the shuttle bus take you over there. Why? Because seduction took over. I got to see what they got. And you spend money you don't have, and that's called credit. Seduction is real. And God says evil men and seducers will wax worse, deceiving and being deceived. So that's why we have to be rooted and grounded in the truth because we don't want to be caught in the deception, right? Now let's go to 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. He was telling these brothers, remember the word that you've been taught, knowing that this is the truth. Verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. So the truth is found where? In the Holy Scriptures. Your protection is where? In the Holy Scriptures. Your, your ability not to be deceived is where? In the Holy Scriptures. Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now look at this. The, the, the words, the Scriptures are to make you wise unto salvation, not wise in the eyes of man. It teaches us how to, 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 to take advantage or to, to be recipients of God's salvation. So when you go to the word, that's what you're looking for. You're not looking for a trick. You're not looking for a, a way to get over. You're looking for how to, how, how, how to receive salvation, because that's what you're going to find in the Holy Ghost, in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Verse 16 says what? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? Doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now we're going to go over each one of those because we might not understand what he was telling us here. And for the purpose of this, that, in, that the man of God may be perfect. We're going to look at perfect too. Throughly furnished unto what? All good works. You're going to see what the, what, what the purpose of the learning of the word really is. Sometimes we study for the wrong reason. That's why we don't get the, 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 the right nourishment that we normally would get if we would study for the right reason. Now, reproof. This particular word, it, it, it doesn't mean what we think it means. When he said it's good for doctrine, which is what we need, for reproof. Reproof means proof. Understand, huh? It means conviction. It's evidence. It's used about four times. This particular word is used a lot, but this particular original definition is only used four times. It said, it is good for evidence. Okay? It's good for conviction. 
Now, we get that same word used in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, we know this scripture, but let's turn to it anyway. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It's good for reproof. We think reproof is, is, is correction, but why would he say correction and correction? He didn't. He said it's good for evidence. It's good for conviction. This word is good for, to be convicted upon, to be convicted by. He, but he said in Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things, what? Hope for, and the what? Evidence. The evidence of things not seen. This same word was used here. Evidence. It's for proof. Amen? So when we see that it's good for doctrine and for reproof, we should say it's good for doctrine and for what? Evidence. Now we go to for correction. Amen? Now it, it, for correction means to straighten up. Straighten up, sometimes straighten up again. And we thank God for the again. Because, <laughs> well, we've been straight, crooked, straight, crooked, right? You ever done that with a, with a nail? You've been nailing in a fence and you mishit it? And it gets crooked and you got to bend it back, bend it back. Well, y'all need to use a hammer from time to time. I, I promise this is going to happen to you. Uh, and he said, if correction means to straighten up. That was a hammer. <laughs> he, said, it, he said, it's good to straighten you back up again. We find in the Holy Scriptures the way to straighten back up again. And we find in the Holy Scriptures that you can be straightened back up again and that God is willing to straighten you back up, up again. Amen? So when we see the correction, he says, I just want to straighten you back up again. And you'll find in the Holy Scriptures how to do that. Amen? And then he said, perfect. For correction, for instruction in righteousness. All right? So we okay? That the man of God may be perfect. Perfect means complete. Not perfect as you think perfect ought to be. He says the scriptures are given so you may be a complete person. Complete. It says perfect how? Truly furnished. Now you know what that means. It means to... Equipped fully. That's what truly furnished. That means to give you everything you need to be what? A son of God. He said, I gave you to be truly finished into all good works. Because when you become one of us, a child of God, you have good works that you'll be performing. But the scriptures give us all the equipment that we need in order to do it correctly. Does that make sense? It gives us all the, all the straightening up capability so we may do these good works correctly. So we may have the doctrine that we need to not be deceived and stand firm for the Lord. We okay so far? See, God says, I gave you these scriptures for this purpose. That's why you don't use the scriptures to go to fight with. Don't fight with somebody over a doctrinal point. When y'all start yelling and arguing at each other, God said it, you sent a book, what's wrong with you? Really? Spirit left the room. You got word, but you got no spirit. Give the spirit a chance to convert a heart, Good, please, in the Bible studies that you all have. Stop being so frustrated when they don't see what your point is. They say, well, Lord, you want me to present this? We present this. And they say, that don't make any sense. That's foolishness. That's, that's heresy. That's well, okay, but this is why I believe. And you say, Lord, I, I, I know it's you 
that converts and not me. So I'm okay. I don't even get mad when they tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. I say, well, you know, the best I can do is tell you this. This is what God shared with me. This is what I believe. This is what I'm living. And I tell you what, prayerfully we're meeting the kingdom together and compare notes. But I'm not going to argue with you. I used to argue, fight, four-hour Bible studies, trying to convince somebody that this was the truth. Do you know you can't convince people who don't want to be convinced? Amen. I don't care. And, we, and logical people like myself, we upset because don't you see the logic in this? If we were a lawyer, don't you see we built this case? <laughs> I don't care. I know what my pastor said. When you hear that, you say, yeah, okay, amen. Well, my grandma, amen, amen. You ask me, I told you. And if you want to talk about it again, I'll be right there. And you got to leave them with that presentation, that you're not mad. And then don't take the other, oh, you just, you, go, you lost, you just lost. Whole world lost, you with the world, you lost. When you hear somebody say that, know one thing, the person speaking is lost. Because you can't, you can't do that. What are you going to do? Where, where you get the authority to do that? Because none of us know all. We, at, at some point in our lives, that we thought we were found, but we were still lost. Amen? Now, there's a method to this. Now, we got the understanding why the Spirit and the Word, what the Word's supposed to do for us, how it's supposed to keep us, how it's supposed to correct us and straighten us out. It's supposed to perfect us in this sense. It's supposed to complete us, and it's supposed to fully equip us for doing the works of God. We got that? All right, let's go. There's a method, though. There's a method in, on our end of the process. Now, we, we know one of these, but we might not know. We got five to go through. We're going to try to get through them very quickly. But we know this one, Isaiah 28. There's a method that God uses to teach those that want to be taught. Huge, huge, huge point. We have to approach him as if we want to be taught. Don't approach God as if you know what he's about to say. That's a big problem. Isaiah 28, 9. The question was asked, whom shall he teach now? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. He said, there's a certain group. I'm going to teach these people. I'm going to teach you all who want to know the truth, who understand that it takes a little milk for you to understand the meat. But he said, here's a method I want you all to understand. He said, precept must be upon what? Precept. Then he said it again. Precept upon precept. This is a method of learning the Holy Ghost scriptures. He said, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. He said, all the experiences that are written down in my book are my holy scriptures. And Samson went through something that'll help you understand what Daniel went through. Esther went through something that help you understand what Priscilla went through. See, if you go from line to line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, you'll understand the entirety of it. But what happens? The word is spirit. 
So what do you need to do that with? The Spirit. You can't just arbitrarily Deuteronomy 16, Proverbs 30. You can't do that because it is not your word to go through. It's his word. Let him guide you here a little and there a little. Don't we do this every Bible study we have? Precept upon precept. And only the Holy Ghost knows how to do this. I had a person tell me, how do you know how to do that? I tried to do that. It doesn't make any sense. I said, because I didn't do it. <laughs> I was praying this morning. I was panicking this morning. I'm not afraid to tell you. It was getting late. Stayed up last night reading, studying, have a good time, and nope. I'm like, okay. Woke up this morning, you know, six o'clock. Well, Lord, I know you, you know, you gonna, you gonna, you got a word. Nope. Seven o'clock. Nope. I'm like, Lord, because you know, I, I I know that there might be a time that He won't give me anything. And you know what? You all will be the second people who know that that day, because I'm gonna stand here and say He didn't give me anything to say. Let's sing a song. We're going home. <laughs> and that's the day y'all be yeah. <laughs> Hope it's fellowship dinner. Um, <laughs> but but a little later on in the morning he's, he said okay now because what happens is this I will study and God will speak to us and we'll be studying and he'll be studying and he knows I'll say oh that's what you want to study about and I'll go down that path he'll, nope. and he'll wait till all that mindset gets out of his way and then he'll go ahead and give me what to say. Please go to the God of the heavens with a teachable spirit so he can guide you and lead you in all truth. Amen? Amen. Now, go, let's go to Proverbs. Here's something you might not. We learn precept on precept. Here a little, there a little. But there is another it's a additional method. This is not canceling anything we've learned before. This is just in addition to. So we can do what? Learn the scriptures, be fully equipped to do the good works of God. Proverbs chapter 4. And we're going to find four uh, 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 highlights in this scripture that we need to pay attention to in order to learn and stay with the word of God. Now in verse 20 of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 of Proverbs chapter 4 is where we'll begin. My son, attend to my words. That's one. Attend. Okay? Incline thine ear, that's two, unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, that's three. Amen? Keep them in the midst of thine heart, that's four. Those are four pieces of this great puzzle that if we can accomplish these things, we will be fully equipped to do the good works. He said, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Didn't we see my word is spirit and my word is life? Here we go again. They are life. We need to find out how to hold on to these words, how to get these words filled with the spirit to change our lives, to give us what? He, it health to all their flesh. 
Amen? Amen. To attend. When you attend something, it, it, you perk up your ears. You ever seen a dog? Why? He's paying close attention. He just heard something. He's focused on that, isn't he? He, his ears are pricked up. He hearkens. He says, oh, he, remember that old, what's the song we get around this time? Hark the herald angels sing. Hark mean listen, right? Attend. Listen to this word. Pay attention to this word. He said, I need you to do that. I need you to attend to my word. Give heed to my word. Regard what I'm saying. Amen? Amen. That's one way. That's the first part of it. You got to attend to it. You got to listen. What happens if you don't listen? Remember what the book of Romans teaches us. How are they going to hear? Faith come by what? If you don't hear, what happens to your faith? At best. That's why he said, attend, listen to my word. Can we do that? What happens if the word has come out of somebody's mouth you don't like? Attend to my words. He didn't have an asterisk. Only if the person speaking is somebody you like. <laughs> Attend to my words. What happens if your words, the God, word of God is being taught and you decide you don't want to be there? Anybody? What happens? God said, hold on now. You're supposed to be there. Attend, but you can't attend. It's going to be terrible. I just hate to tell us. Now, what's the second one? Incline. You know what incline means? Actually, the word literally means to stretch for. <laughs> to stretch for it. He said incline, reach, go for it. Grab on it. When you hear it, go for it. Reach for it. As a matter of fact, this word was used when it talked about Moses stretching out his rod to the sea. He said it's a stretching motion. He said, I want you to incline your ear. I want you to reach for it. I want you to listen. I want you to, to grab for it. So you attend it, right? You, you listen for it. Then when you heard it, you reach for it. Amen? We all right? Go ahead and reach for it. Reach for that word. Grab it like it's, 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 it's gold. Grab it like it's the lifeline. You're about to fall off the side of a building and you see a rope. Grab for it. Amen? Amen. And then he said, don't let it depart, right? He said, it means that don't, let, don't ever turn aside from it. Don't ever focus your eyes on something else. Right? He said, he said, don't let it depart. Preserve it. Preserve this in front of your face. When you hear it, look at it. Don't let it depart out of your eyes. Now, how do we let God's word depart from our eyes? We start looking at something else. That great deception, that great that, 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 that seducer. That seducer will make you look, won't it? As Eve. Well, no, ask yourself. That seducer will make you go, wow. Oh. <laughs> you know, it's hard to lust after something you ain't looking at. Because what happens in our minds is it starts with our senses. And if our eyes are focused upon the Lord, where is our heart's desire? What we see on the Lord. Amen? 
That's why we have to be careful of lies what you see. Don't get focused upon somebody else's word or somebody else's method or whether you might hear another voice calling you. Don't turn from it. Don't let it depart from before thine eyes. Let thy focus be on it. Amen? So what we, 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 we attend, we are inclined, we don't let it depart, we don't let it turn aside, right, from that. And what's the last one? Keep. Do you know what keep means? It means to preserve. Preserve it, protect it, guard it in your home, guard it in your heart. But let's look at Isaiah 30. Go to Isaiah 30. Before we get off of depart, let's, let's go to Isaiah 30. Isaiah 30. We're talking about letting it depart. Now, this is how we depart. I wanted to, we, God wanted to give a, a biblical reason for this. Isaiah 30, verse 12. This is an explanation of departing from your eyes. Isaiah 30, verse 12. Wherefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because ye despised this word, this is, this is how you let it depart from your eyes. You despised it. When you despise something, what is it? Can't stand it. Some of y'all despise Brussels sprouts. Oh, good. None of you do. Good, right, good. Eat it. But he said despise his word and what? Trust in oppression and what? Perverseness. And stay thereon. He said, this is how we take our eyes off of it. We let it depart from our eyes. He said, this is how you do it, because you despise my word. When you despise my word, you don't actively go out and say, I hate Jesus' word. Not yet. We talked about this last week. That's the next step after you stop your ears. But I'd, I'd rather go with someone else's word. I'd rather go with my own word, which you think is your own word, but is actually the devil himself speaking in you. And, and I'd rather go do something else. That's called despising God's word. That's called letting them depart from your eyes. And then you trust in the oppression and perverseness. We trust in the other way. In the other way, in the non-perfect, non-equipping way, we trust in it. And you know how we recognize we trust in it? We perform the doing of it. Here's, a, here's an example. If someone told you, uh, dear sister, her throat was hurting the other week. If someone told you lemon and honey is good for a sore throat, how do I know you trust that? If you do it. You did it. Okay? That's how you know. Now, let's say lemon honey is good for your sore throat. Yeah, but Walgreens got some fire water I can take. I trust that. Right? How do I know they trust that? They, they, they did it. So how do we know what we trust? by what we do. Amen? Remember, we're trying to be fully equipped for good works, but we're being equipped for some works that are perverse. Amen? And are designed by the oppressor. People are always talking about, you know, we've been oppressed. We've been, you've been, you're oppressing yourself because you believe in the oppressor. 
Let's stop looking, looking for the oppressor to help us. Did that even sound any, did that even make any sense? If somebody's your oppressor, you think they're going to help you? But why do we trust in the oppressor? Help us, Lord. Yeah, master going to free us. Okay, yeah, yeah, wait on that one. The devil's going to be good to us. He's going to give us something good for us. Yeah, you'll be waiting until Jesus comes, and that's not going to happen. But that's why he said, I need you to look at my word. I need you to take my spirit so you can understand my word, so you'll know the difference between the good works and the evil works, so you won't represent my enemy. Let's go back to Proverbs. And he said, keep it in your heart, right? Amen. He said, I want you to guard it, to protect it. My words need to be in your heart, and you need to hold, don't let anything get it. Don't let anybody take his word out of your heart. Don't be seduced to let God's word go. Protect it. Keep it always in your heart. Why the heart? Because out of your heart are the issues of life. Guard it. Keep it. Make sure that nothing gets in your heart that's going to take you away from God. I don't care how she looks. Amen? I don't care how long you've known him. Don't let anything take God's word out of your heart. Go to Na Daniel if you would. He said, go to Daniel. He said, look at this. He said, I want you to see how to keep it because you're going to see how I keep it. That's okay, Lord. Daniel chapter 9, 4. Daniel was praying. This is the greatest praying chapter in the Bible outside of Jesus. Daniel was praying, and it taught us how to pray. It taught us what to pray for. It taught us what the condition we were in. It, called, it taught us what condition we needed to be in, and we, it, it taught us what was keeping us from being where we needed to be. So Daniel was praying in 9 of Daniel chapter, chapter 9, and we're going to go to verse 4, and it says, And I prayed unto the Lord my God, and made my confession, and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. And he said, go there because keeping is what I'm talking about. Why? He said, he said, don't you know how I keep my covenant? God keeps his covenant, doesn't he? He guards his covenant. He guards his people. He said, that's why I want you to keep my commandments like I keep you. I guard, I protect you. Protect my commandments in your heart. Don't let the devil come in and, and convince you that these commandments aren't real, that my word is not true. We have to stand guard against that. Can we do that? We have to do that. Can we make it today? Guarding our hearts. Making sure that the word of God is always there. That anytime there's an intruder, called the seducer or the deceiver. They come in and try to get you, say, that's old-fashioned. Old-fashioned is why you're still here. Do you, do you have any new way of giving birth? Maybe children are coming into this world a different way now. I don't see anybody complaining about that. Well, the mothers, because that's kind of painful. But uh, it's the same thing. God says, I need you to keep my old-fashioned word in your heart. Protect it. Keep it. 
So let's review. We all right? We good? Do you see what the word is and why we, what, how important it is? Let's go back and review. Let's go back, if we would, to 2 Timothy. Remember what he's trying to do. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So what does inspiration mean? By the Spirit. Okay? So all his word is given by his Spirit. Jesus taught us that in 663 of John. Amen? Amen. Now, why? It's for reproof, for conviction, or for evidence. This should give us, when we read our Bible, we should say, this is why I believe. Amen? This is why I live like I live. People don't have to agree with it, but at least you have some convicted spirit about you, and you won't be changing with every wind of doctrine that comes down the pike. It's so terrible to see people just in the wind. Just whatever is popular that week or that month or whatever religion is. Yeah, I like this religion. Ooh, I like this church. You ever seen people go to church and like it for a little while until somebody say something they don't like? Yeah, we, <laughs> we've had some here. Okay, so. But you can't, you, it's not about you. We thought we were going here to learn what God said. And just because God said something that disrupted your spirit... That's how they say, oh, it didn't resonate with my spirit. You have an evil spirit. It should, re- it should break it all to pieces. And if you can stand that, 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 that correction, you're going to be all right. So we, 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 he said it, it was for conviction, amen? And he said also for correction, which is what? To straighten up. Now it's also to make, make, to make the man perfect or make the man complete to furnish or fully equip the man to do the good works that we are supposed to be doing. And you know what? You can't do good works without it. I'm going to do good. What is good? What I feel is good. (laughs) I think this is a good thing to do. Why don't we get some solid definitions? (laughs) Why don't we go to the book that never changes? What is good? God. What is love? God. What is safety? God. (laughs) We start looking at all these things and we end up with the same answer. And so what we have to do is stay in it. And then he said, what, precept upon precept, amen? Precept upon precept. Then he said, incline, attend, attend first, right? Attend to my word is what? Get your ears up. Listen for it. Incline, reach for it when you hear it. Let it not depart from it. He said, uh, be Preserve it. Don't let somebody turn you aside. Don't be the one that says, I despise the word of God. And don't be the one that says, I I trust in the oppression and perverseness. And not only do I trust in it, I stay on it. You ever done something like that? You just went against the Lord and you just kept doing it. I'm the only sinner in the whole house. Amen. Praise him. Y'all all right then. But you just stayed on it. And stayed on it. And stayed on it. And then the day of reckoning came. Lord have mercy on me. Aren't you glad God is a merciful God? God saw you doing it when you were doing it. 
God sent an angel. God sent a pastor. God sent a, a, a co-worker. God sent a relative and told you, you know, you need to stop doing that. Tell me what to do. God speaks to me. He's been trying to speak to you, and you won't listen. You despised his word because it wasn't what you wanted. You know how popular God is when he actually says something that you agree with? You start putting blessed on your license plates, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's amazing how popular God is when he says something that you agree with. Shouldn't that be kind of like the opposite? So, and they also say keep. Guard his word in your heart. Don't let anything come in and take it from him. Don't let the batting of an eye. Don't let the, the writing of a check. Don't let the promise of prosperity ever take that out of your heart. Because God is prosperity. Yes. He promised it to us if we would just believe. But he promised it to us in a way in his word, how he could do that. I'm so excited that uh, I, I blame myself. He took me out of Egypt, but I didn't spoil the Egyptians. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, I came out here, I'm broke as a mammoths. <laughs> I don't blame him for that. <laughs> but prosperity comes from God for one purpose. So we may be f equipped to do the good works of God. We realize that? So we're we trying to get prosperity for another reason. See, we're afraid that God doesn't want us to have fun. God you, we think God doesn't want, him, doesn't want us to go see his beautiful world. Man, if I make me some money, I ain't, I ain't, giving, I ain't telling God. <laughs> really? I'm going to go do this. I want to go to Jamaica. Uh, God said, Jamaica's fine. He said, no, don't go to Jamaica. Go to... I got a little, I got an island you don't even know about that is so beautiful you, 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 you can't stand it. He said, I want you to go there. I want you to see who I am and what my hand can do. Go, to, go, to, go, go over here where people aren't, aren't jealous and racist and envious. That's where I want to go. I want to go to a place that don't nobody care about nothing. They got everything. Hey, man, what you want? <clears throat> There's a couple places like that in this world. They're just full of billionaires and we don't know them. God wants you to enjoy this time you have on this planet, but he wants you to enjoy it in his spirit and we got a problem with that. God's not gonna make you prosperous so you can be an alcoholic. You can push dope. Man, come on. That's not how God operates. God says, I give you all of this, man. I want you to enjoy yourself. Now, now go help somebody else know who I am. So I'm looking for that. We're in the year Jubilee. And you know what happens in Jubilee? Wealth transfer. And since we don't have wealth, there must be some transfer about to happen. Toward us. Because they didn't got all our wealth. <laughs> well, what little pennies we had. I can't wait. Because we want to tell the world that our God is indeed God. And he's not measured by what we have. It's about what, who he is, and we want to tell the world that. So we're going to study the word, right? We know why we study now. We know how to study now. We know what we're going to get out of it, and we know what we're going to do with it.
Amen. Amen. Go tell the world this. Because I know everybody in here, in the old days, they used to have a pencil and pad. Now they got, you know, don't ever come here without a pencil or pad or something to write with. Ever. Why? Take notes. I used to laugh Brother Harold. Brother Harold used to have notebook after notebook after notebook after notebook from, from sermons and studies from Tuesday night, Friday night, Thursday, all those times. And they come in handy. You can pick up a book from 1983 and it has a picture of the, the, the image and the beast in it. Man, I remember that. Oh, wow. There's a scientific proof that what you write down, you tend to remember. Write it down. This way, well, you know, I can, I, I can go home and listen to it again. Okay, well, listen to it again with a pencil and a pad. Amen? As we announce in our announcements, if you're on Google Play, Apple TV, if you're on Android, if you're on iOS, you can hear these sermons. Write them down. Don't just put them in your head. Write them down so you can remember. Apply these things in your life so you may be an example to others. You don't have to know everything. You just have to know where to go. Doesn't he know everything? Doesn't God know everything? So let's just go to him. And that's what we're here for, to teach you how to go to him. Amen? Amen. All right, let's have a word of prayer.